Uh, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to page 1250. If you get to the tables of weights and measures, you've gone too far. Page 1250, it's the last chapter, Revelation 22. And we're just going to read the first six verses. <coughs> then the angel showed me, that's John, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night, and they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Amen. Well, as Olivia mentioned, there's a little outline on the back of your uh, notice sheets which you might find helpful as we go through. I wonder if you've ever experienced something or been somewhere or done something so wonderful that just in that moment, just for that brief time, you think, yeah, I was made for this. This is so good. I was made for this. For me, apart from my wedding day, of course, when I met my wife. No, I met her before that. <laughs> apart from that, uh, there's a place that we go to on holiday in Wales as a family. And uh, there's a little bench up on a hillside and you can stand and look out over the valley and watch the clouds. Being Wales, they're often clouds and they're often carrying rain. But on a beautiful day, you can see for miles and the clouds cast their shadow on the ground and the sheep. And I stand there and I think, ah, oh, this, this is beautiful. I just get that little sense of, I was made for this. What is it for you? What is that for you? Perhaps swimming in the sea. Perhaps it's decorating a cake. Perhaps it's dancing the tango. Perhaps it's listening to your favorite piece of music. Perhaps it's when your team win. I was made for this. This is so good. We all have them, don't we? Little moments, glimpses of real joy. And then at the same time, for all of us, there are also times in our lives when we just feel it shouldn't be like this. Perhaps right now, with the way this country is and the world is at the moment, there's more of that than we would really like. When we think, surely my work shouldn't be this frustrating. It shouldn't be this difficult. Surely this marriage is meant to be better than this. 
Surely my health shouldn't be this fragile. Surely life shouldn't be so lonely. Glimpses of joy, I was made for this. And times of sorrow, why is it like this? It shouldn't be this way. That is life in this world, isn't it? Why is life like that? Well, the Bible tells us wonderfully. God reveals to us through his word both what we were really made for and why this world is broken the way it is. So this morning, as we look at this few verses in Revelation 22, I'm going to lead us in prayer and pray that God would help each one of us, whether we're here in a season of real joy or whether it's a time of sorrow, to hear from the living God of the great hope that we can have, the great hope that the people of Haringey, just as the people of Chelsea need, because it's a hope that doesn't come from us, it's not created by us, it comes from God for life in this world now. So let's pray and ask God to help us listen to him. Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to gather to hear you speak, the living God, and we pray as we hear of the glorious hope that you hold out for us, that you would stir our imaginations, stir our hearts, that we might long for, yearn for, that glorious new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this passage we've just read in Revelation 22 comes right at the end of the Bible, the last chapter, and in many ways, chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation bring together all the threads of the Bible's plot line that starts way back in Genesis chapter one. I don't know if you like whodunits. I quite like watching uh, Agatha Christie Poirot, that kind of thing, where usually at the end of the show, usually seated around in a, a grand room in a house, uh, all the threads that have been running through the whodunit are all revealed, and everyone goes, oh, Mr. Poirot, you're so amazing. How did you figure out whodunit? You know that kind of thing? Well, Revelation 21 and 22 are like that in the sense that all the threads that have been running through the Bible since Genesis 1 all come together, and we are meant to say, wow, God, you're so amazing. How do you do that? And in particular, God wants to thrill us in Revelation 22 with the hope of life in a better world, the new creation. This is the hope that you and I as Christians need to keep going in life in this broken world now. And this is the hope that the millions of people all over London who don't know Jesus, that they need. Because it's a hope that is sure and certain. Because it's based not on what we do or what we can achieve, but it's based on Christ and what he's done. In these verses, God wants to give you and give me real hope for real life in the real world. We're not going to look at every detail in, in chapters 22, verses 1 to 6, but rather just step back and survey the scene, and we'll focus in on three elements, the river, the tree, and the throne. 
So if you look with me at verse one, and we start by looking at the river, the hope of a fulfilling life. Verse one, John writes, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Now we know rivers don't normally flow down main streets of cities. Or at least if they do, that's a disaster scenario. That's a flood. That's not something to look forward to. This is a reminder, this is picture language. Not meant to take it literalistically. It's combining images from earlier in the Bible. There's two here, the river and the city. Do you see, there's the river of the water of life first. Within verse two, the tree of life which if you know your Bible, perhaps you've just started a Bible reading program and you hopefully will have got through Genesis chapters one, two, and three. Everyone's nodding. Bible reading program, excellent. I'm keeping up so far, I'm doing well. January 8th, yes. Um, Genesis one, two is the Garden of Eden with the river that flows from Eden and wherever it flows, it brings life. And there's the tree of life. And we're meant to be casting our minds back there. Ezekiel 47 picks up the same idea. In Eden, we have God who created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, to enjoy living under his blessing, under his good rule, in a garden paradise. It's a picture both of the beauty of creation, God's good creation given to us as human beings to enjoy, but also of the beauty of Life lived in relationship with God, lived under his loving rule, enjoying his blessing, living in his world, a perfect harmony. That's the picture from the river. And second, the second image we have there is this city. It's a river flowing down the great street of the city. It's there in verse two. It's there in verse three as well. The image of the city is not so much about buildings, but people. If you think of the vibrancy and the buzz of living in a great city like London, which I love living in with the culture and the art and the music and everything, it comes because there's so many people, so many of God's image bearers together with the diversity, the creativity, the energy that comes from being in a city. And this is a picture of God's people united in God's place, enjoying living together under God's rule. So you see how the two images combine. You've got the river of the water of life flowing down this great city, uh, street. You've got the combination there of the stunning beauty and glories of the creation all around us and the vibrancy, the excitement of being together with God's people with those who've gone before us, the loved ones who've died and gone to be in this new creation. So we have the, the created order at its best, magnified, beautiful, wonderful, and people in relationship with one another at their best, wonderful, beautiful. It sounds like the best of both worlds, doesn't it? Because indeed it is. That's what God wants us to see as he stirs our hearts, our imaginations, to look at this picture of the river of the water of life, 
and the city teeming with people. It's a, a picture of life at its best. Life being fulfilled. So in this new creation, colors will be even more vivid. Jokes will be funnier. People will laugh at my jokes in the new creation. Our relationships will be deeper and richer, better than the best friendship, the best marriage, better than that. This is what we were made for. If you know C.S. Lewis's writings, the end of the Narnia Chronicles, he has a, a unicorn galloping wildly into the new world. And the unicorn, I don't know how unicorns speak, but I'll just go for it. Unicorn says, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Isn't that beautiful? The reason we get glimpses just now, this is how good it is, this is what I was made for, is because that's just a glimpse of that new creation, a new physical creation that we are designed to enjoy in relationship with God and with one another. That's the river, the hope of a truly fulfilling life. Second, we have the tree in verse two. The tree is the hope of no more curse. Look with me at verse two. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. See, we're going back to Eden again, picking up Ezekiel 47 again, if you want to look at that later. But this is better. It's better than Eden, because there isn't just one tree of life. There's a tree of life on each side of the river. In other words, the trees are all trees of life, producing fruit crops every month. A picture of abundant provision. No more painful toil needed to get your food. You just pick it off the tree. And the leaves of the tree bring healing for the nations, for all the peoples of the world who've been brought there by Christ. And the healing is because, verse 3, there's no longer any curse. That language of the curse takes us right back to the Garden of Eden, of course. Genesis 1 and 2, God created us as human beings to enjoy living in relationship with him, which meant living under his word, his good word, designed for our flourishing. But, as our first humans, our representative parents, Adam and Eve did, and as we do ever since, we as human beings think we know better than God's word by what we feel or by what we think, and we think, no, that I know better than that. I can do life differently, better than what God says. There's something better than what he promises. It's called sin. It lurks deep in you and deep in me ever since Adam and Eve turned their backs on God and decided they knew better. And what happened was the relationship, that beautiful relationship between God and human beings and creation was shattered. And ever since, 
We as humanity have lived in a broken world under God's curse. And here's how the Bible is so helpful. We get to see why amidst life where we can have those glimpses of joy, think, I was made for this, but they're so fleeting, they're so short. There's so much that's painful and sorrowful. It's because we're in a world under God's curse. Another tragic murder on the streets of this city. It's because of the curse. Burglary, crime, because of the curse. Little Monty Snow, a life so brief because of incurable sickness. It's because of the curse. The war in Ukraine, the curse. Family member whose divorce is messy and painful, the curse. I don't know you, so I don't know where the curse bites most deeply for you. For us in our family, four of our children have a chronic migraine condition. It's genetic. I think we can do about it. My wife is awaiting open heart surgery. She's in the queue along with a lot of people because of the backlog of COVID. Why? Because of the curse. This world is broken. Here in Revelation 22, verse 3, do you see how wonderful this hope is? Just look at verse 3. No longer any curse. The healing leaves of that tree symbolize that all the hurts and sorrows and pains of life in this cursed world will be no more. Here's something that I I find helpful to help me appreciate how good this will be. Um, This is a bit interactive. You're going to have to help me here. Okay. Um, If you just get your Bible, two hands, okay, go with me on this. It's worth doing it. And put your finger in uh, page 1250, Revelation 22, okay? And then with the other hand, flip back and find Genesis 1 and 2, or Genesis 2, whatever page that is on. Uh, Page four, okay? So you've got a finger in Genesis two, like that, and a finger in Revelation 22. And hold your Bible up when you've got both. Okay, right, here we go. Now, you've got to grab the middle bit now, like that. Genesis one and two is life without pain. Revelation 22 is life without pain, with no curse. This is where we live, you and me. Pain, sorrow, glimpses, moments of joy, yes. But we live in a world under the curse. That's why we get sick. That's why there's murders and crime and war in Ukraine, because we're under this curse of God. And now we can go back to Revelation 22. Thank you for doing that. Can you see how wonderful this hope is? When there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Why will the curse be gone? 
Can we really be sure that that's going to happen one day? It may be you're visiting here and you're not normally in church. You've decided New Year's resolution, I'm going to try and get to church. Great, can I encourage you to keep coming? But can we really be sure this isn't just a dream? I'll tell you how I'm sure. Because of Jesus. You know if you um, go and see a trailer uh, when you're at the cinema and you're watching, you're waiting for the main thing to come up and they have all the trailers of all the films coming up, which are actually usually better than the film, but anyway, the trailer gives you all the highlights of the film to whet your appetite, that you want to go and see it. Well, when Jesus was in this world, as the Gospels accounts show us, his life was like a trailer for how good life in that new creation will be. Because think of what happened when Jesus was on earth. Was there hunger? He could just dispel the hunger of 5,000 people. Was there sickness? He could just get rid of that with a word. Were there natural disasters threatening the lives of people? He just told the wind and the waves to stop. A trailer, a glimpse of life in a new creation where there's no more curse given to us by Jesus. And then, of course, of course, Jesus went to his death. He died on a tree, on a cross, as we sang in our first song, that cursed tree. It was for him the tree of death, but for you and for me, the cross is the tree of life because he bore the curse of God. Galatians 3, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Jesus bears the curse that you and I live under so that we can be set free to look forward to life in a world without the curse. Isn't that beautiful? This tree is a tree of life for you and for me. But the trailer doesn't end with Jesus' death because he rose from the grave with a new physical resurrection body, recognizably Jesus but different, as a, a foretaste for you and me that there will be resurrection. Beyond this world, there is life in a new physical world, recognizably us, but in a new body, without any of the aches and the pains and the groans, fit for life for eternity with God. Perhaps you're not sure about these things. Well, just look down at verse six of our reading. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And then in verse 17, see down at the bottom of the page the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come let the one who's thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life that free gift this hope is available to you and to me through Jesus if that's something you're not sure about yourself let me encourage you come along to the hope explored course Find out more 
about this glorious hope that is ours because of Jesus, the one who died on the tree to give us life. So we've seen the river, the hope of fulfilling life. We've seen the tree, the hope of no more curse. Thirdly, we look at the throne, the hope of being with Christ. Do you see the the throne of God and the lamb, the lamb being Jesus, comes in verse one, and it comes again in verse three. In verse one, do you notice where the, the water, the river of water of life flows from the throne of God and the lamb? That is all the blessings of life for eternity in the new creation will flow to us from Christ, from his throne. And in verse three, do you see the throne of God and the lamb are in the city and his servants will serve him. So what do you say, well, what will a life fulfilled for eternity looks like? I don't know exactly, we're not told, but it'll look like serving Christ, centered on Christ. He's on the throne, he's in charge, and we will enjoy serving him. We, as verse five says, we will be reigning in some way, we'll be given responsibilities in the new creation, but it would all be for him, to serve him. Do you see the clear focus? The throne of Christ, it's about serving him, and about verse four, how beautiful is this? Seeing him, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. The best thing about life in this new creation will be with Christ. We'll get to see him. We'll get to serve him. I wonder if at that point your heart is skipping a beat saying, yes, that's great. If it is, praise God for that. If it's not and you're thinking, oh, I don't know, that doesn't sound that exciting. Let me encourage you to rethink. A few years ago, I, I had to rethink the way I thought about heaven because I made a discovery. Do you know the New Testament nowhere says that we will go to heaven? Sorry if that's what you think is going to happen. But it actually, the way it describes it is going to be with Christ. Going to be with Christ. The focus of our future hope is on being with him. And what I have found is that the more clearly my focus is on seeing him and serving him now, the greater that hope of seeing him and serving him then becomes, and that hope kind of trickles down into my life now. Let me illustrate this. As a vicar, as Pete, your vicar is, I get to do a lot of weddings. And the great thing about being a vicar is, if you'll bear with me a minute, when you're doing a wedding, You stand at the back and say, ladies and gentlemen, please stand for the arrival of the bride. And you get to walk down here and stand about here where Ben spat his water out. And and the bride comes down. And I get the best view. That's usually the pattern anyway, something like that. And I see this beautiful bride walking down towards the handsome groom stood about, well, the groom anyway, stood about there. And it's a brilliant moment. I love weddings. There's the flowers, there's the music, there's all the friends and the family. But for the bride on the wedding day, 
what's the thing she's most looking forward to? Of course she's looking forward to the, seeing her friends, her family, the, but she's looking forward to getting down here and seeing her groom, being face to face and saying, I will. That's what she's longing for. And that's what it's like for us as Christians, or at least if our focus is going to be where the New Testament says it should be, our focus will not be, oh, it'll be great to be in a new creation and be able to see all these amazing sights, which it will. It'll be great to be with friends and family who I've lost and I long to be reunited with them. It will. It'll be wonderful to be in a place where there's no more pain, no more heart surgery, no more chronic conditions. It will. But actually our focus should be on, I want to be with him. I want to be with Christ. Because it's only because of him that we will have this life that's so fulfilling forever. It's only because of him that the curse will be gone. Just cast your eyes at verse four again. In 2023, if you want to have more hope, see more of Christ's face. Know more of what it means to belong to him, to have his name on your forehead, to have that certain and sure hope that comes from him. He is our hope. He is the reason that we can look forward to this glorious new creation. And he is the one who our friends, our neighbours, the people of Haringey as much as the people of Chelsea need to hear. I'm going to pray for us now. And when I've done that, there are a couple of questions written on the sheets there. It'd be good after we've, after we've sung our final song, before we kind of get into the chit-chat of New Year, etc., just to take a moment, if you will, turn to someone near you and, and talk through how you could put into practice getting this hope for you and for others. Should we pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the one who gives us this beautiful picture of the river, the tree, and your throne to show us that there is a glorious hope, not something that we can create because it comes from you, the hope of life lived to the best in a glorious new creation in good relationship with people from every tribe and tongue and nation, in a place where there is no more curse, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. And it's all because of Christ. And it's to you, Lord Jesus, we look. Please will you enlarge our vision of you in this coming year and so enlarge our hope that we might be more and more thrilled with you and therefore want others to share that hope too. 
We ask it in your precious name. Amen.